Hello and welcome to The Lyle Shelton Show, the first of 2021. I hope, like me, you've enjoyed Christmas with family and friends and have been able to have a good break. I'm really looking forward to the year ahead and I hope you are too. Now, coming up in today's show, the Liberal Party government in South Australia under Premier Stephen Marshall is giving a radical abortion to birth bill the same treatment as a government bill. I'm sorry, that's, uh, there's not better news at the start of 2021. The Liberals are giving a bill which is all about dismembering and poisoning children and harming their mothers precious government time in the Parliament for this to be discussed and voted on. I'll bring you my interview with Christopher Brohair, a barrister who also serves as the Australian Christian Lobby's South Australian Director. Also later in the show, I'll talk to my good friend Dave Pellow, the Editor-in-Chief of the Good Source News and also the convener of the annual Church and State Summit. You won't believe who he has lined up to speak this year. Uh, I can't believe it, so stick around for that discussion later on. But first, I want to talk to you about a book I've just finished reading over the holidays, Live Not By Lies. Uh, it's just been released and is authored by Rod Dreyer, who wrote The Benedict Option, uh, which you might have seen and read. Uh, it's also about Christian engagement in politics and culture. Now, the subtitle of Live Not By Lies is A Manual for Christian Dissidents. Yes, folks, we're talking about coming persecution and the need to learn to endure suffering if we want to live as authentic Christians in today's world. Live Not By Lies takes its title from the famous 1974 lecture by the Russian dissident Alexander Solzhenitsyn and it was his farewell address to uh, the Soviet people on the eve of his expulsion from Russia. Now Dreyer was inspired to write the book by former Christian dissidents, now elderly and living in the US, who contacted him to express their fears that the West is heading in a totalitarian direction. They, they see the signs. Hearing these elderly people and the stories of others uh, that Dreyer tells in the book and, and how they speak about torture and imprisonment under the atheistic state apparatus is chilling. What is more chilling is the survivors' warnings that the signs of coming persecution are here in the West now. We don't yet have gulags and guns forcing us into submission, but many people are already too afraid to exercise free speech at work for fear of violating some sort of diversity code. I've met them. I've met the Qantas pilots who feared for their jobs during the same-sex marriage plebiscite. The workers in, public in the public service and woke corporations surrounded by people wearing rainbow lanyards, they dare not speak about their views on traditional marriage or their concerns about children being indoctrinated into queer, gender-fluid ideology. Now, the book hit home for me as I face a taxpayer-funded anti-freedom of speech lawsuit from two drag queens demanding a court order for 20 thousand dollars in compensation from my from me and my future silence. Now Dreyer says we need to be preparing for persecution now and he seriously worries whether or not the modern church has the resilience to cope. While the state compliance methods of Soviet communism differ from today's liberal West, there is one important ideological commonality and that is that Christian teaching as it was for the Soviets uh, today, it's an obstacle to the state's new compulsory vision of the good life. The Soviets and their acolytes in Eastern Europe oppressed dissenters with prison, torture and bullets to the head on an industrial scale. Our totalitarianism today is what Dreyer calls soft totalitarianism. Well, at least for now. In Australia, it is hardening up. In recent years, laws have been passed in several states that will see people arrested and fined if they pray peacefully 
outside an abortion mill. Criticise the LGBTQIA plus political agenda and you could be dragged before a so-called Human Rights Commission and fined. I'm going through this right now and many others have already been through it. Look at the graceless Twitter lynch mobs, often led by high-profile Australians such as Dee Madigan, Labor's advertising guru, and Mike Carlton, a former Fairfax newspaper editor. I discovered this after I posted a tweet in jest about my recent run along coastal tracks on the Queensland-New South Wales border. Now, for those listening via the podcast and who can't see the video images, uh, I'm putting some of the examples of their foul tweets uh, against me on the screen, and if you'd like to have a look at those, you can go to uh, the YouTube uh, channel uh, on The Good Source, go to the goodsource.news uh, website. Now, while I regret wasting the time of and the resources of the Queensland Police, none of this would have happened if the angry left did not see an opportunity to try and viciously discredit uh, someone who is on the opposite side of politics to them. These people were silent when tens of thousands of Black Lives Matter protesters breached COVID rules at the height of the pandemic. But when a lone jogger crosses the border legally, they cue the faux outrage. My recent travails have nothing to do with coronavirus. The hatred of anyone who stands up in the public square and defends human rights for the unborn or the traditional family, that hatred is visceral and it's here and it's here right now. And it's not just the trolls. As I said, high profile people such as ABC personalities often lead the charge online against people like me and like yourself. If this irrational hatred is taken to the next level, soft totalitarianism quickly will turn to hard totalitarianism. So what's to be done? Well, Dreyer says, prepare now while we can. This book mines the wisdom of those who suffered in places like Czechoslovakia, Hungary and Russia. These saints, above all, practice the disciplines of prayer and scripture reading. They say that's what sustained them through torture, through imprisonment, and they would urge us to be practicing these disciplines now in preparation. They strengthen their families, something both communism and modern liberalism seeks to destroy. They created secret discussion groups where the truth could be discussed and intellects nurtured. They defied the state by printing and disseminating literature which had been banned. Above all, Dreyer exhorts, don't give in to the lies that the state is preaching and that the culture is preaching. There is no doubt that people are already paying a price for their Christian and scientific beliefs about marriage and gender. As we've seen with Labor's assault on Christian schools, parents who want their children educated in the truth about marriage and gender are the canaries in the coal mine of post-same-sex marriage Australia. Sadly, the Morrison government's promised religious freedom laws are stalled by COVID and by a hostile Senate, which speaks volumes of the place of freedom in today's Australia. Dreyer, with good reason, is not very optimistic about the future of freedom as America slides more and more towards the intolerant left. Make no mistake, if Joe Biden is, is inaugurated on October, sorry, make no mistake, if Joe Biden is inaugurated on January 20, his vice presidential pick, Kamala Harris, she is no friend of freedom of religion or freedom of speech. I'm a little bit more optimistic about Australia, but our window for salvaging freedom is closing fast. 
most of the church, along with most ordinary freedom-loving Australians, are oblivious to the culture wars. In fact, they don't even know that there is a culture war. Treya makes the point that the culture war has been waged and we lost, uh, which is rather ironic given most people don't even know that it's occurred. And, and uh, I concur with that. Uh, that's the place of the church in Australia, sadly. But if we can awaken the church and our fellow Australians of goodwill, I think there's enough good sense left in this country for us to be a beacon of freedom to the rest of the world. But we need to act and we need to act now. And that is what Dreyer is urging us to do, starting with a determination in each of our hearts to resist the lies our state and our culture continually preaches to us. I'd implore you to get a hold of Live Not By Lies by Rod Dreyer. You can get it through Amazon, you can get it at Kurong. Well, welcome back to The Lyle Shelton Show. During the holidays, I caught up with my good friend Christopher Bro here, a barrister and South Australian director of the Australian Christian Lobby. Now, it's shocking that the state Liberal Party government down there is giving uh, government time to a bill which allows abortion to birth. Um, this is going to be debated sometime in February. Christopher, along with the pro-life community in South Australia, is on the front lines of the battle for human rights for the unborn. Uh, Let's take a listen to this interview that I recorded while he was visiting Brisbane on holidays. Well, I'm here in uh, sunny Queensland with my good friend Christopher Brohair, who's visiting from South Australia. Christopher is the South Australian and Tasmanian director of the Australian Christian Lobby. And we thought we'd catch up uh, while Christopher's in town visiting relatives for over the Christmas period. Christopher, welcome to the Lyle Shelton Show. Thank you, Lyle, and great to be here. I'm sorry for my scruffy appearance at this <laughs> Put on an old t-shirt and my wife said if you put on your oldest t-shirt. <laughs> We're both a bit scruffy because this is the holiday period but I know our viewers and our listeners will understand. I really wanted to have this chat with Christopher while he was in town because Christopher you've been on the cutting edge of um, some of the really tough political battles in the state of South Australia for many many years now. You're a barrister by profession but you've been working for ACL uh, off and on for many years. The, the big issue that's coming up for you guys in uh, early 2020 is the issue of uh, abortion. Uh, this is um, this move that's swept the country since Victoria first did this in 2008, allowing abortion of unborn babies, uh, the killing of them, right up until birth. But the crazy thing about South Australia is this is being done as a bill sponsored by a Liberal government. How did we get to this place? So. The position, Lyle, is that um, the termination of pregnancy bill in South Australia is officially a private member's bill, but it's given government time and it's supported and it'll be uh, sponsored in the lower house by the Attorney General. The Attorney Vicky General Chapman, of South Australia. The Attorney General, the Liberal Attorney General. Vicky Chapman. Vicky Chapman. And it was, uh, the, it was sponsored in the upper house by the Human Services Minister Michelle Lensick and the uh, Health Minister <laughs> Stephen Way, Liberal uh, Human Services Minister and Health Minister. So, it's so did this initiate in the in the Liberal government party room? Um, St Stephen Marshall's your Liberal Premier down there. Um, yeah. did, did he sort of allow this to be brought up in the party room and said, hey, as a government, we're going to we're going to sponsor abortion to birth. The party of Sir Robert Menzies, you know, advocate for the family, and the party of John Howard is now sponsoring abortion to birth bills in South so Australia. The story of the bill is that it started with a Greens bill back in 2018, 
uh, which was complete deregulation of abortion. Uh, the Attorney General then referred the question of abortion law reform off to the South Australian Law Reform Institute. And they produced a 500-page report, which uh, was released uh, in about October, uh, December last year. So, so, so hang on. So, so this is a Liberal Party government taking their cues from the playbook of uh, Queensland's Jackie Trad, the extreme left former Deputy Premier, who also did the same thing, shunted this off to the Law Reform Commission, said, don't worry, folks, the Independent Law Reform Commission, these esteemed lawyers will come up with... Um, uh, a bill. So you, you now got the Liberal Party doing what the radical left of the Labor Party in Queensland did. How, how does this work? <laughs> That's the fact. Uh, um, because the, the attorney wants to bring this, what she calls a modernisation, uh, into, into practice. So that went off to the Law Reform Commission. They came back with a report, Law Reform Institute, they came back with a report which effectively advocated abortion to birth. Uh, the attorney then produced a bill which is a little bit different to what the institute was saying but very much modelled on the Victorian legislation and that says that up to 22 weeks and 6 days the bill says abortion on request 22 weeks and 6 days yeah. and um, after 22 weeks and 6 days uh, abortion up to birth uh, if two doctors think it's medically appropriate so it, it would seem like the um, abortion enthusiasts in this country um, are are working together because the sort of legislation that we saw first of all in um, Victoria in 2008, Tasmania then a few years later, Queensland 2018, New South Wales 2019, now South Australia 2021 um, is essentially you know open slather abortion, uh, no questions asked to 22 weeks roughly and then two doctors who, who don't even have to necessarily even see the woman in, in certainly in the case of Queensland um, so it's, it's almost like it's template legislation. It, yes. it, there's obviously some sort of collusion and working together by the abortion enthusiasts uh, in this nation. Well, how it works, in South Australia they formed a group called the South Australian Abortion Action Coalition, which has kept pressing this. It's a, it's, it's a fairly small group. Uh, for example, they had a rally in South Australia in support of abortion to birth. They had about 300. We had a rally, the first Walk for Life, in February of, of 2020, and we had 3,000. Uh, and we're hoping to have much more than that in the next Walk for Life in February wow. of 2021. So this um, this legislation was... That you the, want to turn your phone off? Is that your phone? Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> this is live TV, folks. Chris is turning his phone off. Okay. So... You've got to, that, that was probably Stephen Marshall saying, you know, please call off your <laughs> call off your troops, Christopher. We, we we surrender. We're not going to kill babies up till birth. It, it was actually my son. Your uh, son. So, um, uh, uh, so. It's right. We're back so, live, so here, the, folks. The bill um, passed the upper house, twelve votes to nine, uh, in December, and now it's in the lower house. And we have the bill will pass, I think. But we have a really, really good chance of beating the abortion to birth aspect. Right. And we've got a number of good members from both sides of the house who are working very hard. Now, now let, let me stop. That was something uh, a significant win. If you could um, stop the abortion to birth aspect, because that has been unsuccessful in every other state. In, in, um, Victoria, Tasmania, Queensland, New South Wales, which have all adopted this legislation. The, 
the advocates for abortion, they don't like to draw a line because if you say you can't have abortion at birth, then you have to say, well, we're actually going to protect human life after some sort of arbitrary line. That That's the problem with not having abortion at birth for these people. So if you achieve some sort of a line in the sand that says you can't kill a baby after a certain point, then of course the next logical question is, well, why are we killing it five minutes before then? That's so, right. So, so, so you, you trip them up in their own logic. That, so they'll, they'll fight this. They won't want to give an inch on abortion birth because the public, this doesn't pass the pub test, even even amongst a public which might be sympathetic to the idea of a women's, woman's choice, the, the euphemisms that are used. Um, this would be a significant win if you could stop abortion to birth because it makes people think, which is not what people do around this issue very often. That, that's a really good point, and that's been the issue that's generated uh, support from both sides of the house and from people in the street. Most people who, when this issue is raised, will say, look, that just, that just isn't right. Yeah. And so we're, we've been advocating now for the last two years that the, the current law remains, which is after viability, which is 22 weeks and six days, 23 weeks, abortion should only be allowed if it's to preserve the life of the mum. And that sort of amendment has a really good chance of, of getting, getting, of, of succeeding. Look, even if that, because we've had abortion so much in our culture through court rulings for, for decades, almost 50 years in this country now, uh, at least if, um, and this this sort of legislation represents you know, the, the, what the advocates and enthusiasts for abortion would see as their final victory, but this is where they could trip themselves up with their, their own lack of logic, because if you then use this opportunity to say to the public, hey, on abortion to birth, and, and the public go, yeah, well, that's a bit far, and suddenly we've got a debate about the humanity of the unborn child, which they didn't want to have. That, that's why this is really significant to get these amendments, even though, you know, we're fighting a losing battle, unfortunately. Yeah, and um, it, it's it's not. I wouldn't say we're fighting a losing battle because well, well in terms of this legislative battle. Yeah, yeah, South Australia was the first state that introduced uh, liberalised abortion laws back in 1969. Well, but before the Manhattan uh, ruling in Victoria, Manhattan was in the 70s, I think. Uh, it was like 60, but you're, you're a lawyer. Anyway, uh, it was certainly before Rowan. But you were one Roe of the first. Yeah, 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 uh, that's right. And we want to see that change. We, we want to see South Australia be the state that starts to roll this, this thing back. And if if we can win on Prairie Weeks and Six Days, that's a huge win. It is. And the campaign has forced the attorney in writing to say that how are late-term abortions are done. And she says two things. She says, one, the baby might be delivered alive and given to the mum for comfort till he dies. Or there will be feticide, which is the killing of a viable uh, unborn child. So that we've got that in writing now. The, the Liberal Attorney General, what's her name again? Just so our Vicky viewers. Chapman. The Liberal Attorney General, Vicky Chapman, has said that methods of killing a late term baby is feticide. Or, or what you've described as some sort of a palliative sort of, or you won't call it care, but the, the aim is to palliate the baby until the baby dies. Yeah, so the, the attorneys, uh, uh, one of the attorney's staff put out a list of frequently asked questions, and that was one of those questions. And, and we think, may not be the case, but because of this constant campaign we've been running, 
focusing on abortion debate, it's, it's forced some of these questions to be well, asked. Well done. Well and done. we just have to keep hammering that one issue. And we're very hopeful that the good members on both sides of the House, and there are good people on the Liberal side and the Labor side, will come out in support of an amendment not to allow abortion to birth open slaver. So, so who are the politicians that are speaking publicly about this? I'm not interested in people who are doing stuff behind the scenes. We, we've got to have public voices. Who is speaking publicly saying, no, we shouldn't be killing unborn babies, we shouldn't be harming their mothers because we know abortion harms women and, and many women are coerced into killing their babies by men who are looking for the convenience. We, we know this happens a lot. Who are the public voices in the parliament? So there are two who have been leading this campaign, two wonderful women, Claire Scriven, who is a Labor Upper House member. She is the deputy leader of the uh, Labor Party in the Upper House in South Australia. She has been front and centre arguing with this case Good on our side. Good on and she is supported by Nicola Centofanti, who is a Liberal Upper House member. She's just been uh, appointed because there was a, a vacancy, a casual vacancy in the upper house. She's just been appointed. And so she and uh, Claire Scriven have been leading the charge. So, so why, when this came up in the Liberal Party party room, Stephen Marshall's uh, party room, why wasn't there um, a rebellion? Why, why didn't the, the Liberals say, no, no, the Liberal Party doesn't do abortion. Um, we are not the party of the Greens or radical social reform. Where were those voices? Uh, I'm not privy to what happened in the party room, but I do know that there was a discussion in the party room how this bill would be progressed, and the government, uh, the decision has been made that it will be a parliament's bill, but given government time government, and government, government resources. So it's not technically a government bill, but it's but it might as well be a government bill because it's got government time and resources. And for people who don't understand parliamentary process, normally uh, a Liberal Party government would, would, well, for a start, this is the sort of thing that would be brought up by the Greens or a Radical Independent, and a, and a Liberal government would normally say, no, no, we are not giving this time or resources, uh, we, we don't do this stuff. Uh, but now it seems the Liberals have, in South Australia at least have become as radical as the Greens. Where's, where's Dennis Hood on this? And many uh, of our viewers will know that Dennis Hood was uh, elected to the South Australian Parliament Upper House uh, many years ago now as a family first parliamentarian, served there. I think he replaced Andrew Evans, um, the founder of Family First, great man. Uh, so Dennis served as a Family First MP for many years. He joined Cory Bernardi's Australian Conservatives. Uh, that didn't go so well at the 2018 election, South Australian election. So then he joined the Liberal Party to serve out the remainder of his upper house term. Uh, he's the Liberals' whip in the upper house. What has he said publicly? So he's been in the debate. He spoke against the bill and he voted against the bill and he moved a motion to ban gender selection abortion, which was good. good. Dennis, Dennis had a good crack, but it's I think it's very important that the front and leading voices in this campaign are women. And so it's a real blessing that we've got Claire and Nicola who are arguing the case front and centre, uh, from the Liberal side and from the Labour side. And this. The experience in South Australia is, is that this is not a Liberal Labour issue. 
Uh, this is people who believe in the humanity of the unborn child against those who believe in the issue of a, a woman's choice regardless of everything else. That's the divide. And we have very strong support from key people in the Labour Party on this issue, the senior people in the Labour Party. Um, don't necessarily want to go who they are, Claire Scribner is front and centre. But, uh, and that's very important because some of the senior leadership of the Liberal Party is on the other side. Yeah, I think it's, it's a tragedy that um, the Liberal Party uh, would be running a bill like this. I know here in Queensland, uh, the LNP's policy is avowedly pro-life. Um, I assumed that uh, there was more of a pro-life disposition in, in other parts of the Liberal Party around the country. This is, this is really sad. Christopher, good on you for what Australian Christian Lobby and, and uh, the pro-life community in South Australia are doing. You're obviously doing a, a magnificent job in difficult circumstances. When is that um, next rally and, and how can people find out information about it? So, the Walk for Life is on the 6th of February 2021, it's a Saturday. Uh, there are two sources of information, you can go to the ACL website and you have a, a, a little tag up the top, South Australia Walk for Life or Campaign for Life or something like that, that'll give you information. And there's another group called Love Adelaide, which is sprung up as an offshoot of this campaign, uh, which is dedicated to running this Walk for Life. And, and other things. So um, we are really excited. I think the move, Lal, is that we're really upbeat. Good. We've got a lot of young people, we've got a lot of women. We've been running um, meetings throughout the state in different locations. We've run about eight or nine in the country. We've run a number in the city uh, where we unpack this whole legislation. And, and tell the truth because there's a lot of obfuscation, a lot of terms like modernization which don't bring the truth to people. So we're trying to unpack the truth. And we, there's a real sense of hope and, and positivity Fantastic. In, Fantastic. In, the, in the movement. And, and we plan to keep going, whatever the outcome of this vote, yeah. we plan to keep going until we win. Well, I think that's that's right, and I think we will win this, and, and all of uh, the eyes of Australia should be on the South Australian Parliament in February uh, next year, or, or this year when this will go to air in early January, we're talking on the 30th of uh, December, uh, but if, if you guys are successful in, in helping expose you know, the, the horror of abortion to birth and late-term abortion, which I know Australians do not support, um, there's a lot of ignorance about abortion. If you guys are successful in getting that sort of amendment up, that will put pressure uh, on the rest of the states to wind back what we uh, this extreme regime that we have uh, right around the country at the moment. So good on you. I think that, and just want to pick up on what you said about support. We did a, a survey in five key seats in South Australia, four city and one country, two Labour, two Liberal, and something that the. The smallest percentage of opposition to abortion to birth was 58%. Wow. And that moved up to about 67, going on to 70% in some seats. And when you looked at gender selection abortion, it was generally in the 80s. So uh, what you viewers should know is that in the upper house, Dennis Wood moved a, uh, an amendment to this bill to ban gender selection abortion, yeah. and that was defeated. 
that was because so, so Liberal, Labor, Greens, they all voted against against abortion on the basis of, of it being a girl. That's right. And because one, we know there's some cultures. That's right. Um, yeah, we won't name the cultures, but there are prominent migrant cultures in Australia. We love our migrants, of course, but uh, this is a really negative aspect of some cultures. They, they value boys over girls and will use abortion to kill girls in the womb because they're girls. And, and this, this bill allows that, and the motion to stop that was defeated. Yeah, Liber Liberals voted against that. <laughs> one of the Liberal ministers who, who said he was pro-life <clears throat> on, the, on the third reading speech brought him against the bill because who, who of was that? that? Who was that? David Ridgway. Okay. So he said, look, Unbelievable. Uh, I'm just, I just can't. I can see where you people are going with this. And if you don't, because you oppose this bill, I'm going to vote against the whole, this amendment, I'm going to vote against the whole bill. And I, I rang him, rang his office up and, and thanked him. Good on him. Good uh, on him. Because that was a very Remember good thing yeah. Well, there's good people still out there. Well, Christopher, good on you for fighting the fight for the leadership that you're showing in South Australia. I know you're working in coalition with many other good pro-life people down there. And, of course, um, ACL is doing a fantastic job. ACL.org.au if you want to keep up with uh, what's happening in the South Australian abortion debate. It's something that all of us, no matter where we are in the country, need to be following in the early part of 2021. Christopher Bro here. Thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, Mark. Well, I hope you found that enlightening. Christopher and his colleagues in the pro-life community in South Australia are modern-day heroes. I really hope the church stands up and enters the fight. We've been on the sidelines for way too long, and just because we've lost a lot of these battles in other states of Australia doesn't mean we shouldn't raise our objection to uh, this injustice towards unborn children and their mothers. It's time more of us join political parties. Uh, often they are swayed uh, to pick harmful social policies simply because no one or not enough people were in the room to give a counter-argument. We've got to start giving the counter-argument. If you live in South Australia and want to get in the fight, and I'd urge you to get in the fight, please go to acl.org.au. Well, as you can see, joining me now is Dave Pellow, the Editor-in-Chief of The Good Source News. Uh, Dave, thanks for joining the Lyle Shelton Show tonight. Thank you for having me on the first Good Source episode of the year, Lyle. It is, uh, Season 2 of The Lyle Shelton Show. Um, Dave, it is great to have you here, and I, I was very keen to have a chat because uh, you were telling me last week uh, some great news about the Church and State Summit, the annual, I think it's the fourth one, I've been to all of them. Correct. Um, here in Brisbane, last week of February. But uh, you've got a big reveal, and, and this is a hopefully an exclusive for the Lyle Shelton Show. It is. You'll be breaking uh, the news. Breaking the news. So uh, your keynote speaker. The keynote speaker for uh, the Church and State Summit um, 2021 is uh, Cardinal George Pell. Wow. Wow. Now, now, he's coming to us not necessarily in person, but he is coming live via video link from the Vatican City. Correct. Uh, so we will have live and interactive video, uh, potentially even able to take questions, I believe, uh, depending on um, how much time we find him in the schedule. But we want to find him a lot of time to speak and, and uh, perhaps to take some questions as well. This but is massive news, David, and congratulations on, on getting the Cardinal. Um, oh, praise God, yeah. I've been, um, you know, admirers. I know all of us in the Good Source community have been in, and watching him go through that period in prison, 400, over 400 days in solitary confinement down there in Melbourne. Huge before, injustice. 
terrible injustice before last year being uh, completely vindicated, not that you'd know that from the ABC, no. uh, in a 7-0 um, High Court of Australia judgment. You know, I had his, um, his one of his excellent books at the resource table mm. for the Church and State Summit in 2020. God and Caesar. God and Caesar. I've read it. I've um, got it. I've got some spare copies I can bring along. Do it. Yeah, do that. Uh, anyway, there, I, I actually got some criticism um, that uh, an accused um, pedophile would um, wow. have a book. A well, book I guess there. he was a convicted pedophile at that well, stage. Uh, maybe a year ago. Yeah, yeah, he was. I think the, the judgment, uh, the High Court overturned the judgment. Well, it was certainly April, before the High Court. Yeah, um, yeah. So February, April, yeah, that was definitely before. But there was no doubt in my mind that the case was extremely corrupt. Mm. Uh, and broken, yep. um, and uh, certainly the High Court decision notwithstanding. Um, yep. But uh, many reasonable people uh, agreed um, before the High Court oh, reached their look, conclusion. I think any of us who are following no the case, case could see that um, it was completely implausible, and, and the court found that. Now, what he's is... a great theologian, oh, he's... and he's got an Oxford degree in church history, which is what he'll be talking about. Yeah, so that, that was year. what I was going to ask. So, so what's his topic? It's, it's on church history. What's this, the specific topic that well, you're the, putting the in the The specific topic uh, this year, the, the Church and State Summit this year has an arc of of argument, mm. uh, and so we're going to be building. Uh, a foundation in Christian apologetics, the worldview, and essentially proving that Christianity is true mm. from evidence. Uh, and then we're going to take the evening of the first day and prove that Christianity is good by comparing its impact on world history with other worldviews uh, and philosophies and um, political paradigms which societies have been built upon and uh, the overwhelming evidence says that Christianity is true and Christianity is good. Yeah, brilliant. Well, well that's exactly the message that mm. we need to hear and Christians need to hear this in a, in a wider society. Yeah. Just quickly, who are some of the other speakers that you've got coming besides the Cardinal uh, by oh, video link see. from Well, Rome? we've got some of... Um, there might be a few names that people don't uh, recognise. Mm. Um, Daniel Patterson is confirmed for Friday afternoon. Uh, a former speaker with uh, Ravi Zacharias, International okay. Ministries. Yep. So a great apologist then. Great no. apologist. Uh, he knows many of Australia's best thinkers in this space Good. and and we'll be putting together a, um, a great lineup for mm. Friday afternoon, Good. including a panel to conclude Friday afternoon. So we'll have three expert topics and then we'll actually have a Q&A panel just to really chew over and, and, mm. and nut out yep. some of those, those details. Uh, we also have Carl Fays. Uh, mm. One of Australia's great media producers. Yeah, former Baptist minister, Olive Tree Media. His Jesus the Game Changer video series. Yeah, Jeff two Brady. seasons of Jesus the Game Changer. He's got a new, a new series being filmed this year, mm. uh, which really supports the church and state uh, theme um, this year. And on, on Friday night, he'll be talking about uh, the impact of Christianity wow. on Australian culture. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, not, not the macro version that George Pell will be talking about uh, with world history, but the micro version, specifically in our context, what has Christianity done? And all of this can stiffen the spines of Christians yeah. to bring what we believe and what we know to be true for the sake of our neighbours to the public square and to debate. Well, there's, there's nothing more that we need in these challenging times. As we talked about mm. Rod Dreyer's book uh, earlier in the show, Live Not By Lies.
rise and the, the coming persecution, uh, mm. it sounds like this is exactly the tonic that uh, we as Christians need. Now, now, you've also got Martin Isles coming from the Australian Christian Lobby, yep. uh, Steve Shavora. Steve uh, Shavora is going to be talking about one of the most important mm. topics of 2020, uh, and that was critical race theory. Yeah. So we'll be examining what does that mean and does it match up with kingdom culture and, and Christian doctrine, uh, and if not, what is the right uh, policy um, f that Jesus would advocate regarding race uh, look, in government? Be, Steve is brilliant. I mean, that'll be a brilliant takedown of um, this sort of cultural Marxism as it's been applied to race. But um, with, with the, coming back to the Cardinal, um, with his section, do you, do you think there'll be opportunity for him to address, you know, what he's been through this harrowing period? I mean, I know he's going to give a very I'm excellent sure talk. I'm sure that he wants to. Okay. Um, It'd be great. I'm sure he'll touch on it. Uh, I'm sure we'd love to get some insights he, from his time in prison and the yeah, ordeal that he's been through. I, I'm just super grateful and humbled that he's accepted um, the invitation to come and speak mm. to us. Uh, he is an excellent theologian yeah. and he really knows his topic about this. He's got a lot to teach on. Um, and frankly, I wouldn't blame him if he was a little bit traumatised and, and just wanted to talk about anything but... I don't think he's uh, sought to be traumatised. I think he's got he's incredible faith. I'm looking forward to reading his tough. prison diaries. Um, people who are, who are reading it now say it's amazing. And really? it just shows the depth wow. of his faith in Jesus um, that got him through. Uh, look, I would love for time. him to share on that. And he will be welcome to, mm. uh, but not pressured to. Yeah. Very good. Well, uh, folks, um, the Church and State Summit is, is not to be missed. Last week of February, the date stayed? Um, the last weekend of February every last year. Last weekend, yep. This year it's uh, the 26th and mm -hmm. 27th. Uh, and we uh, are having early bird tickets already on sale at churchandstate.com.au. churchandstate.com.au. Go and get your tickets. Dave, thanks so much for joining us on The Lyle Shelton Show. Thank you very much as always, Lyle. Well, that's it for the first episode of 2021 for The Lyle Shelton Show. Before I go, a quick update on my book, I kid you not, notes from 20 years in the trenches of the culture wars. I'm excited to announce it's about to go into a fourth printing after 3,000 sales were recorded just before Christmas. If you bought a copy of the book and read it, thank you so much for your support. The feedback I continue to receive uh, is incredibly encouraging. Uh, you can order your copy at lyleshelton.com.au. Well, thanks for being with me today, and a big thank you to Dave Pellow and his team at The Good Source News for production. Don't forget to tell your friends and to share the show on social media. Until next week, bye for now. The Lyle Shelton Show is a production of The Good Source, hosted by Lyle Shelton. To watch, listen to, or read more content without the SJW PC fact filter, visit goodsource.news. Become a Good Source supporter for exclusive access to live and unedited interview recordings, including the conversations before and after the show.